So good morning, <clears throat> good morning, Eastside family. We want to let our children ages two years old through first grade make their way in that direction to junior worship. And if you are in the second grade through fifth grade and you don't know about this, I want to make you aware of this. Uh, the children's ministry and Taylor provide basically notes for you to take their their built around the sermon and so that kind of helps give you a way to kind of connect with us while we're in here during our during our sermon time so if you don't have those they're back on the table we'd love for you to participate in that way as the children are going with their parents to junior worship take your bibles and let's turn to luke chapter one this morning luke chapter one and as you're turning there i want to certainly remind you of a very important aspect of our worship assembly and that is the offering that we bring to god we make it possible for you to to worship God through your offering in four different ways you can mail a check to the church address you can get it on automatic draft through your bank you can go online to our website there's a box on the home page that says give follow the easy instructions or if you're here in person you can drop off your contribution at the box on your way out at the table there in the middle of the auditorium and if you're not here in person um, we're delighted to have you with us certainly live streaming today it's our honor and we are very humbled that you chose to be with us. So it's our annual tradition after Thanksgiving to have a Christmas Advent series. And this may seem to you to be a little bit disconnected from our current series that we've been having in, in Joshua. But I've told you almost every in almost every lesson in Joshua, the whole book of Joshua, as a matter of fact, the whole Old Testament, it sets the stage for the coming of Christ. That's the message. If you want to sum up Genesis through Malachi, it's Jesus the Messiah is coming. And the name Joshua, as I've told you before, has a Hebrew, Old Testament Hebrew name, which has as its equivalent in the New Testament Greek of Jesus. And so looking in Joshua as we have been doing, it sets the stage for this moment. And so we're going to take a break and move. We're going to jump ahead in the story of Joshua all the way to Luke. Look at the story of our Joshua, Jesus. And then in January, we will return to our series in Joshua. Our series for this Advent season entitled A Christmas Musical, which is basically, well, it's not just basically, it is. It's following the songs that are recorded, the Christmas songs, we might call them, in the book of Luke. This is a series that I have been thinking about doing for a number of years, one that I have never done as a matter of fact, it's written in my notes, upcoming Christmas series. But this has always been the one I'd say, oh, I'll, I'll do that next year. Oh, I'll do that next year. And finally I said, you're doing this this year. And I think my reason for putting this off is my aversion to musicals. Do you like musicals? I can't stand them. I can't stand it when... I'm watching a movie and I'm in the middle of a story and I'm 
caught up in the drama of the story. I'm on the edge of my seat. And then all of a sudden, they stop the story and they sing some syrupy song. And my impatient personality is sitting there saying, can we not just get on with it and move on with the story? And so, as you can tell, sophisticated has never been a word that's been used to describe me, actually. Musicals, they just seem to me to be so unnatural, so cheesy. I can't imagine being in Walmart and being in an aisle and running into one of you and we're in the middle of a conversation and all of a sudden in the middle of the conversation you just kind of stop and look up in the air symphony music starts playing and you start dancing around and singing in the aisles that's not natural that's weird you just that that just doesn't happen but my problem is as Luke is telling the story of the birth of Jesus, that's what he does. He stops at least four times, pushes pause, and we got to stop this incredible story for a song. God's put those songs there for a reason. And so for the Advent season beginning today, we're going to look at those four songs. The song of Mary, the song of Zechariah, the song of the angels, and the song of Simeon. Now to be honest, which is always a great thing to do in a sermon, to be honest, these texts that we're going to look at over the Advent season, they don't strictly say that they sang, but they're traditionally called songs because in the middle of this story narrative that Luke, as Luke is writing on the birth of Jesus, four times in the story you're going to notice this, this shift in the literary genre from this just ordinary prose to this elevated prose of, wait a minute, Luke has changed in the way he's writing. There's this poetic language that all of a sudden he begins to use. It has this metrical structure to it. It has this rhythmic movement to it. It has a lot of, of pronouns that are used and a lot of short, concise statements that all kind of work in, in, this, in this rhythm. These are what are traditionally called songs. Even though they don't strictly say that they were songs, this was basically the way songs during the days of Jesus were written. And so they are called the songs of the Advent. You're going to notice in your Bibles, almost in all of the translations, you'll identify them because they are distinguished through being italicized. So today we're going to Look at the first of these songs, the song of Mary. And this is such a powerful, such a power-packed passage or song. We're going to look at it in general today, and then we're going to go through it verse by verse next week. It's an incredible story that brought forth this song. 
Mary is now pregnant. And you'll look at the setting to this song in your life groups. She is now pregnant with Jesus. She has, she has come to visit her older relative Elizabeth who is also pregnant with her first son in her old age. And so we've got something like the, the first double baby shower and you can understand that who else could Mary go to who would understand what it's like for her to be pregnant in the weirdest most out of the ordinary ways who else would get that other than this woman who's beyond childbearing age who is also pregnant obviously through the working of God and so she goes to visit Elizabeth she speaks with Elizabeth, Elizabeth just breaks out. And this is probably a, a fifth song in Luke. You look at it in your life groups. We don't have time for it in this series. As Elizabeth speaks with celebration over Mary and her child, then all of a sudden the language shifts to this elevated prose of poetry. And we have this song that is traditionally called the Magnificat, which is taken from the Latin translation of the song. That's the first word. Uh, in this particular song and Mary begins to speak or she begins to sing and there is a lot to learn from this song but I'm going to look at it under the one theme that at least for me stood out the most it was the theme of worship this is a classic hymn on worship we as created beings were wired by our creator to worship. There's something in us. There's something even in the pagan, unbelieving, atheistic world. You look at cultures and there was a realization there's something bigger out there than we are. And they built idols and statues and they had rituals to somehow express themselves to this deity. There's something in us that's just made to do that. Sadly, in our church world, I guess you could say to get it right, to worship correctly, we've seen in churches, in church history, worship wars. Do you hear those two words? <laughs> worship wars. Two words that are diametrically opposed to one another, but we human beings have figured out how to bring them together and over worship. We have fought and we have divided and we have split. There have been, there have been people that are no longer a part of this fellowship because we don't worship correctly as they understand it. So the question is, what is it supposed to look like? What is true worship? Mary's song shows us. Now, biblically speaking, worship is, is central to the life of a follower of Jesus. So it makes sense I thought, oh yeah, we, we need to learn this. We need to be taught about worship. And so in a moment, we're just going to let this song, read. we're going to read through it. We're going to let it guide us in worship. But what I want to do for a little bit of time now is to give us a, 
a bird's eye view. I'm just going to make some general observations of worship from this song. Then next week we're going to return to it and we're just going to go through it in detail looking at it verse by verse. I'm going to give you five observations. This is not going to be too complicated. Five observations on worship from the song of Mary. First of all, we learn that worship is praise. And I mean by praise, that could be many things. The expression of admiration to applaud someone. To express admiration or appreciation. And you may be thinking, well, thank you, Captain Obvious. I would have never thought that worship is praise. While you may be thinking about that, it's really interesting to notice in this song of Mary, you won't find here any request. She doesn't ask for anything. Now, we're supposed to, we're told in Scripture, it's okay to request things of God in prayer and in worship. We're told to do that in Scripture. But there are no requests here from Mary asking God for anything. This is pure praise. What we're going to see. And I remember there was a time in my life, it, this reminded me of, when I decided, okay, you know what I'm going to do for this month? This whole month, in my times and prayers, I'm not going to ask God for anything. So that's why I said, God, starting today, I'm not going to ask you for anything. If there's something you think I need, you go ahead and give it to me, but I'm not going to ask you for it. Because a thought occurred to me, what's it like to God or what's it like to be in a friendship if every time you see that friend you say hey good to see you could I have this would you give me this could I have this see you tomorrow hey it's good to see you again could I have this would you give me this could I have a little bit of that as well how is that friend to feel what what is the reason for you being in a friendship with me I feel more like I'm a vending machine and so I just decided you know what I want to do I want to spend time with God and just worship him and express myself to him not for what he can grant to me with my request but just to be with him I wanted to know I just want to be with you I love you and I have nothing here that I'm asking for to get I have only come to give and that's basically what we see that was an amazing experience for me and that's basically what we see here in Mary's song this is pure praise worship is praise and then secondly the second reflection the second general observation that we notice from this song is that worship is overflow and I mean by that it's a response to something that's happened it's a response specifically here to God. Something has just happened in Mary's life that just naturally evoking from within her a spirit of worship. Her, her worship does not start in verse 46 where we read her song. But it begins earlier. As you read chapters 1 and 2, and I would encourage you to do that. No, all of chapter 1, that is. There's something that was happening in her and to her and through her that just caused her from within to burst forth from the overflow of her heart in worship and praise to God. Worship is not simply a Sunday event that starts at 10, 10 a.m., but it's a response to what has been happening and what has been building up 
over the past week or the past, past months in our lives. And so, as you understand this in response to who God is and what he has done, in this song, there are two general divisions that you see. In verses 46 through 49, we see Mary expressing her, her praise to God for what he has done for her personally. And then we see in verses 40 through 55, it's what he has done for others and for us. And so, that's another aspect of worship that we see here in her song. Worship is twofold. It is intimate and it is personal and it is corporate. In corporate I mean that it involves and is shared with others. And so you notice here in verses 46 through 49 she uses the first person pronoun. She says my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. He has done great things for me. This is personal. This is intimate. But then you'll notice in verse 50, she moves into the plural and she begins to speak. She speaks of Israel. She speaks of the plural possessive pronoun using the word I. In, in her worship, she's not just thinking and focusing on herself, but she's also thinking and focusing on others as well. I doubt that as Mary and Elizabeth were talking and Elizabeth got finished through with what she was saying in verse 45 that Mary said, could you excuse me for a moment? She goes to her bedroom. She closes the door. And she begins to worship. It's clear Mary is here with Elizabeth. Probably Mary's husband was also here, Zechariah. There may have been others as well that were there. And I think we can make the mistake of having one or the others of these in our approach to worship. I hear too often some say, my faith, my worship, that's something personal. That I do alone with God. I don't need others and I don't need the church. That's why there are some who aren't here today. But on the flip side of that, there are those whose worship is basically exclusively only what's happening right now. And it's not something that's happening on an individual basis in your personal lives once you're gone. And with Mary, we see both of these at play. And they're both influencing and enhancing the other. There are those regular moments, yes, when we go into our room and we shut the door and we worship. Do you have those moments? But there are also those times, and equally important and not to be neglected, when we're together in communal worship. And sadly, I'm preaching to the choir as I say that. Those that need to hear it the most are not here. I think another general observation of Mary's song of worship is we learn that worship is spirit-led. Well, I would say that Mary wrote this song, make no mistake about it, the expressions that you read here of Mary were given to and inspired by the Holy Spirit. And I think it's a fascinating study of the Holy Spirit is to see his activity in the birth narrative of Jesus. And you see it just building up to Mary's song here. In chapter 1 and verse 15, perhaps you know the story where the angel Gabriel told Zechariah that 
that his child, John, was going to be filled with the Holy Spirit, still within the womb of his mother. And then following that story, the angel Gabriel comes to, to Mary, and he's explaining the conception of Jesus within her womb. He says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. And so then as we see Mary coming into the home of Elizabeth, and all of a sudden the baby within Mary, it says it leaps within her womb. And that wasn't just some random kicking of the baby but I'm pretty certain that was the Holy Spirit within the child of John recognizing that it was in the presence of Jesus the Holy Spirit is extremely involved in this story in what is likely a fifth song in Luke's Christmas musical because it also has a shift in the style of language we read in verse 41 before we read Mary's song Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and she exclaimed the loud voice. Whatever she said, it wasn't just a thought of her own. But these were words that were given to her by the Holy Spirit. And so following that theme, then we see Mary sings forth her song. Not just her words. This is not just the overflow of, wow, look at who God is and what he has just done in her life. But it is the overflow of the indwelling of the Spirit within her life. Unfiltered, unquenched worship and praise. Nowhere in Scripture do we read, and the Holy Spirit stopped doing that. We've heard that before. Jesus tells his disciples in Luke chapter 12, he says, when you're in a pinch and you're speechless and you don't know what to say and how to express yourself, relax. The Holy Spirit who lives within you will give you words to speak. In Romans chapter 8, Paul writes that when you're in a situation and you don't have it in you to pray, you don't have the strength to pray, the Holy Spirit will help you in those moments. He wants to be a part of and involved in our lives and in our worship. And so it's imperative to us that we not leave him out, that we not rule him out, that we not quench the spirit, but instead that we would walk so closely with God that whatever happens in a corporate basis, whatever happens on a personal basis is not just my human flesh at work, my words, my thought, my rituals, but it is worshiping God as he desires in spirit and in truth. The final observation that I learned from worship, general observation from Mary's song, is that worship is the language of Scripture. When you read this song, as you hear it in a moment, if you know your Old Testament, you're going to hear the Old Testament all over this song. There are no less than 15 allusions to the Old Testament books of prophecy, the Old Testament books of law, and, and the Psalms. As you read through this song, if you know the song of Hannah, in 1 Samuel in the Old Testament, when she realized that she had conceived Samuel, there's this beautiful song that she sings, and you line those two up side by side. It's like Mary is stealing this from Hannah. It's very similar. And so though Mary was led by the Spirit as she wrote and as she sang or spoke these words, she's not in this trance as words were being given to her, but there was, there was a scripture that was so deeply hidden within her heart that the words of God are just pouring out at a very young age 
this young girl knew Scripture and knew it well. I think her parents had raised her that way. She didn't have a Bible app. She didn't have a concordance. She didn't have a search engine. But God's Word was there. And as her mouth opened to worship, it was the language. God's Word was the language of her worship. There have been times, and I don't know about you, when I don't feel like praying. When I know that I should. I don't feel like going to church and worshiping. I'll get up in the morning. I just don't have it in me. Maybe it's because my mind is so incredibly distracted. Or there are times when I have a headache. Or my mind is so tired. I don't want to go through the work of thinking up things to say. In those moments, one of the most incredible, helpful blessings is just to open up Scripture and express myself in prayer to God. Scripture is the beautiful language of prayer and worship. So next Sunday, these are the general observations. Next Sunday, we're going to return to this song and we're going to look at it in more detail as we go through it verse by verse. But as we begin the Advent season, I really want to encourage you in your life groups as you've been given your guide for today and also on your own, spend some time reading and reflecting over Mary's song. Spend some time reading and reflecting on all the pieces to the story that led, led up to it and identify how it personally and practically identifies with your life. Let it nourish you this week and let God teach you to worship through this song. I would encourage you that. I believe Mary's song is a call to worship for the Advent season. So I want to, I want to mention one other thing before we close about this song that, that's very important. As we still wrestle about what worship should be as we wrestle with what worship should look like and as woman's, women's involvement in worship sadly has been at the heart of some of our worship wars I think it's really significant to notice as we look at this story that God chose two women to be the primary instruments in Luke's gospel to bring Christ into the world it's two women in this story that actually teach us here about worship. We hear conversations about the silence, if you can imagine, the silence of women in worship. But in the gospel narrative of Jesus' birth, you actually have the silence of men. Look through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and find one word that Mary's husband spoke, Joseph. Silent character in the story. Go back to Luke chapter 1 and you see this story of Elizabeth's husband, Zechariah, and because the angel said this is going to happen and he doubted it, he was made to be mute for the whole pregnancy of his wife. For nine months he was not allowed to speak and his punishment was to listen only to his wife speak for that nine month period. 
You can unpack that in your life groups. Not here. It's the voices of women that we hear in these worship passages. Now that doesn't mean men don't have a role, but I think that's really significant to notice. But even though God uses the voices of Elizabeth and and Mary, neither of them violate the restriction passages that too many many of us are, are very familiar with. You don't see in Mary or Elizabeth a domineering disrespect or disregard for others as Paul corrects in 1 Timothy. You don't see them in a chaotic, disorderly way as Paul corrects in 1 Corinthians 14. You see two women who were humble instruments of God that he used to speak forth beautiful words of worship. And so as we close, I I want for us to, to hear this song. I want us to worship with Mary's song through first hearing it read to us and then we're going to follow it with with some songs of worship in connection with the theme that is here. But it would be rather odd if we heard this from a man's voice. So I've asked a young woman to read it for us this morning. Our first song of the Advent, Mary's song, is calling us to worship and as we hear this song don't just hear someone reading the Bible let it guide us into worship and let it this spirit of worship carry us through the Advent season would you stand with me as we pray Father As your disciples ask you, Lord, teach us to pray. And as we see that worship is so much an integral part of our our prayer life, whether together or separately on our own, teach us to worship. Let the song of Mary become our song. Let us look back and be so blown away at who you are and what you have done in our lives that we can't help but exalt you in worship. The Holy Spirit, may you not be left out of our worship and prayers, but may you guide us and lead us. We come to you now as we understand that prayer also is listening. We come before you to express our worship to you. We come to you to listen and to stand in your holy presence. Hey, I'm Eddie White, the Senior Minister for the Eastside Church of Christ. Sure want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I hope today's message was indeed a blessing to you. I'd like to invite you to browse our website at eastsidesprings.com to get more information or to contact us. And as always, we indeed welcome you to join us for our worship service in Colorado Springs as we seek to live out Jesus' mission of making disciples of all nations.